Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, and welcome to the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. I'm your host, Annika. I'm hosting this podcast because I want to learn everything that I possibly can about the sailing lifestyle, specifically about becoming a liverboard cruiser. I do this by talking to liverboard sailors as well as industry experts and find out all the essentials about boat shopping and selection, the costs of full-time sailing, and exactly how people made their dream a reality. Join me and you will get real-life advice, practical tips, and maybe you'll even avoid making some costly mistakes. After listening to these truly inspirational and hugely entertaining stories, you and I will be better prepared to start our sailing adventures. In this episode of Live Aboard Sailing, I talk with a lovely couple, Ali and Ben from Breaking Waves Sailing. We cover a lot of ground on this episode, everything from buying a boat in the US as Canadians, sailing with a dog, having a YouTube channel, and also how Ali and Ben are preparing to sail south from British Columbia to Mexico once they're done exploring BC. They are full of good tips and entertaining stories, so let's just get straight to it. Ali and Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> uh, why don't we get started by you guys just introducing yourselves uh, briefly, where you're from, and of course, tell us about your boat, uh, Kiana. Uh, my name's Ali. I'm from Toronto. I was born in Oakville and uh, moved to Toronto to grow up. And then after that, I moved to Montreal, um, back to Toronto and then out to Vancouver. And then from Vancouver, I met Ben, uh, who's on Vancouver Island. And that's where we live now. Yeah. And I'm oh, Ben and I'm originally from Ontario, too, even though we met in BC uh, from a small town called Port Elgin, which is on Lake Huron. That's where I had my first sailboat way back when. And I moved out west to BC about seven or eight years ago, I think, um, and had another sailboat in Vancouver for a little <laughs> bit. And and then about two years ago or so, Ali and I, three years ago, we're getting together. And a year later, we bought Kiana, which is a 1989 uh, Scepter 41, which Ooh. is a, um, a fairly reputable blue water boat. 
uh, from that era built in BC. And people up in this area of the Pacific Northwest, they they often find scepters to be a very attractive boat. So I've obviously followed your journey online for a while. And uh, I know you bought your boat in, like you said, in the summer of 2019. I think you just mentioned about how long did it take for you guys to actually um, go through that process of planning? Like, when did you get the idea and how long did it take you to actually buy the boat? It sounds like it was pretty fast. Yeah, I think like the original seed for getting into sailing at all happened to me when I was like 24 or something like that. And I uh, watched the movie 180 South, which is a film about a guy that takes a sailboat ride from California down to Patagonia. And it's about climbing, uh, but it's also about surfing and sailing. And so that inspired me to be interested in sailing. Um, And then fast forward a couple of boats later, I met Ali at a time when I didn't own a boat. And we were well, we had been dating for you about, had a boat that had just burnt down. It had just burned down. Actually. So you yeah. had the ashes of a boat. <laughs> that was, that's why I was in Vancouver, is dealing with my my previous boat fire uh, when we met. But um, so that's we we got sign. together, and <laughs> and the first summer of our relationship, uh, we decided to take a vacation together, and and we chartered a little thirty foot Catalina out of Nanaimo Yacht Charters, uh, which is our earliest episodes show that, and they're pretty amateur, but. I'm kind They're of happy we have them now. They're like four minutes long. Yeah. But, uh, family videos. <laughs> so I introduced Allie to sailing. And honestly, I don't think we had been like at that moment, we hadn't been decided that we were going to buy a boat and try to sail to Mexico or wherever. We, I think we knew we were interested in the idea of it. And then the following summer, about a year later, we had just been looking at boats without seriously planning to buy. And then Kiana, I had been just watching on Yacht World for like two years and she was priced way higher. Um, and then she just started coming down like every couple of weeks she came down in price. I was like, holy crap, we should go look at this boat. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember Ben showing me the boat in like February and was like, if this boat comes down to this price, we should get it. And I was like, it's never going to come down that low. Like yeah. that's such a nice boat. And then we looked at around June and we were like, oh my God, it's down that low. Mm. And Ben was like, we should, you know what? Like, we'll just go look at it. We're just going to look at it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden done, it was about a year from when we went on the charter to actually owning Kiana. So the process of buying it started three months before that. So it was really only about eight or nine months. Yeah, it was quick. Um, but there was never a decision to be like, we should buy a boat together. And then it happened eight months later. It just sort of happened. I would say it wasn't an, an intention. Yeah, <laughs> it was meant to be. So Kiana <laughs> fell into our laps. <laughs> And then we couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing that it just kept coming down uh, down on price just mm-hmm. to yeah. what you wanted it to be. So I'd say also, yeah, it was meant to be. Um, <laughs> well, you're both pretty young. And I only say this because I just saw your recent post. So Ben were the same age. So okay. definitely still very young. <laughs> yeah. um, so what was your financial approach on on uh, purchasing the boat? Like, did you have houses to sell or did you take a loan? Did you save up all the money uh, before that or all, all of the above? Or what was sort of that approach on buying a boat as, you know, 30 something? So we didn't like, we didn't actively save, obviously, to buy Canada based on the previous story. We just, it just, we decided we wanted to buy her. We hadn't put a bunch of money away. And so the decision was, it's in one of the episodes, right, when we're going to buy the boat, but I was committed at that point to selling my house. And I even made an offer on uh, on the boat contingent to the sale of my house, which the broker just laughed at me and <laughs> didn't take me seriously. And so I had to have a plan B, which was I talked to my bank and I organized a line of credit that would allow me to buy the boat 
until I sold my house. And then I never sold my house. <laughs> so we just, we just, uh, yeah, we basically took a loan. Um, it's the best way to put it. Yeah, no, I'm actually super happy to hear that because that's exactly the way we're hoping to do it. Like we're, we have a little bit more leeway. We're, you know, planning for it a couple of years out. So we're saving up money, but we don't own a house at all. Uh, we are renting. We've lived in numerous different places in different continents. So we've never bought a house. So I'm super excited to hear that you've gone that route because I've not heard a lot of people do that. So great to hear that. But I also wanted to talk about buying a boat in the U.S. because I believe Kiana was somewhere in the U.S. on the right coast, but, uh, you know, still in a different country. So how was that process like buying a boat uh, as Canadian citizens in the U.S.? Was that pretty easy? Was it a headache? Would you recommend doing it? Or It was pretty easy, I would say. Um, at the time, actually, so this was 2019, and there was a bit of a trade war going on between Canada and the States that Trump had initiated um, related to steel prices and something else. And it actually caused a situation where while we were looking for boats, prior to Kiana coming way down in price the winter before that, where if you bought a boat in the States, you had to pay an additional 10% tariff that we would normally not have to pay due to NAFTA. Um, and then NAFTA got ripped up and they they made a new agreement and that ended up going away right around the same time we wanted to buy Kiana, which ended up kind of being the like, the kind of like, well, screw it, let's buy her because <laughs> yeah. we didn't have to come up with that additional 10% of the boat value. Um, so that was a thing that we were dealing with, but otherwise it's pretty straightforward. like. There's obviously the exchange rate. So the, the rate was not good at the time that we bought sucks. Canada. That that was, yeah, but that was just part of it, right? Um, most boats sell in US dollars, so it's always going to be that way for Canadians. And then the paperwork to transfer it from American flag to Canadian flag, I just added that to the cost of the boat with the broker, and it wasn't very expensive. I think it was like 500 bucks. Um, and then it was pretty simple. We just, you know, we put insurance on it. We sailed it back to Canada. We registered with the port of Nanaimo. Which was super chill, by the way. We did it yeah, from the Yeah, we just phoned boat. it in. We didn't even have to like on a phone. show our IDs or anything. We just they called like, them in and gave them a passport any, number. Do you have any animals or alcohol? I was like, I got a golden retriever and a bottle of wine. And he's like, <laughs> all right, you're good to go. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then we had to register it uh, with Transport Canada within like, I think it was, we had like a three month grace period or something to do that. And that was also pretty straightforward yeah. and not very expensive. And then there's the, the tax that you pay when you get in and that was it. So it wasn't, it never felt to me like overwhelming. It was just sort of one step at a time and none of it was all that difficult. Yeah. I was expecting it to be very confusing and very like often when I would do anything with the government, like it's gray area and you're on hold. And I, I thought it would be quite a headache, but um, it was very easy. Actually it was step-by-step step, very clear and and I think the service, yeah. like if you're going to, if you're Canadian and you're going to buy a boat in the States, I think paying the service to do the paperwork turnover, like not having to deal with the American side of the paperwork is worth the 500 bucks, whatever we pay. Yeah. I would recommend doing that. I don't know how hard it would have been if we had to try to do it ourselves, but it just feels like when you're operating outside of your own country, it's just easier to let somebody else do it. And so yeah. that's what we went with and it worked out fine. Yeah, oh, that's great to hear. And definitely it's always a little bit not necessarily sketchy, but scary to, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of money in a different country, even if it's as close mm -hmm. as US, you just don't necessarily know what fees or taxes or whatever are is going to pop up later. Yeah. So that's great to hear um, about that experience as well. 
So I'm always curious to hear about people's reasons for starting the sailing lifestyle. And Ali, what was your background? Did you know anything about sailing or Literally, were you totally nothing. a newbie? I had, no, I was a total <laughs> newbie. I had never been on a sailboat when I met Ben. And that was, I think, one of the reasons why he chartered the boat, because he was like wanting me to get into it. And I was like, well, I, like, <laughs> I went in a canoe once, but um, <laughs> yeah, so... I didn't have much of a background uh, and I don't really know why <laughs> I got into it, I guess. I got into it because um, Ben was into it and when I met him, um, he was quite passionate about it. And he, and I wanted to kind of understand his passion or share in his passion because his passion was like a life encompassing one. Like his whole life is on the ocean. He's obsessed with surfing and sailing and I knew if I was gonna be with him, I had to kind of show interest. So that's where it started and uh, we also had like yeah. that first week, it was like the best week of the summer. It was August. Heat wave. It was a heat wave. It was sunny and hot every day, which in BC is an amazing experience on a boat. Um, and so I feel like it was like a easy for you to get yeah. into it after that. It was week. hard not to love it. <laughs> yeah. You didn't experience any like tough weather or, you know, we had a couple of things go wrong, but they were pretty minor. And I didn't know I they were minor much, at the yeah, time. I think anybody would fall in love with sailing if that was their first experience that week <laughs> it was pretty nice it was wonderful yeah. yeah wow that worked out perfect then yeah it was like fooled her it was her real good <laughs> and are you both kind of into traveling uh you know I mentioned ben is into surfing as such is there like uh some sort of lust for adventure and that sort of stuff i think it's a combination i think um if i were to guess i would say ben is a little bit more into the sailing part and i'm a little bit more into the the adventure travel part like i'm i'm into once we get there and ben's into the like the journey <laughs> yeah exactly. if i were to guess i think that i'm like less on that spectrum though like i think the average situation is that the man usually really likes sailing and then he convinces his partner to come along with him but to me like i do love sailing for sure but it's not like to me it's it's about an adventure it's about taking the boat to some warm water where we can surf and hopefully have surf breaks all to ourselves, which is a really hard thing to achieve, especially nowadays. Like everybody is surfing ever since COVID hit. The water is so busy and so crowded. And just having like this adventure vessel and home that can take us to places that most people can't get to very easily opens up the opportunity to have surf waves all to yourself, which is sort of like the holy grail in surfing, right? Like it's just having a warm water wave all to ourselves is really that's the dream for me. It's not necessarily about bobbing around in the Caribbean and drinking rum. Like I don't, that'll be all fun. And I, and I do love sailing. <laughs> not but, mad about that either. <laughs> but that's not the ultimate driving force behind it all. Well, you guys also have a dog, Bruce, that's also big star in all your videos. Uh, how's Bruce taking on the sailing? I'd say Bruce's favorite thing in this world is to just be with us and like be within a foot from us at all times. Like right now. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if he's in love with sailing, but I think that he would always prefer to be with us than to not be. So I think he puts up with sailing in order to be with us. Even if we leave on the dinghy and he's on the, the deck, he'll like howl to be with us. So <laughs> yeah, I think he puts up with he it pretty wants, well. I think when we're actually sailing, I think he gets a little bit seasick feeling and he just ends up sleeping. Yeah. Which is kind of great because then he's not in the way. Which is kind of um, what I do too. So I don't blame him. <laughs> but we haven't like, admittedly, we haven't done any blue water cruising. We haven't done any overnight sails yet. I, I have, but not me and Ali haven't on this boat. And it will be a challenge when we get to the point of wanting to do more miles and do longer passages. And I had, I had trained him on my older boat to pee on deck and I'm sure we could get 
back to that point, but we just haven't had to yet. And so we haven't bothered. And yeah, it is like, we're talking about going south eventually. And my parents have agreed to take them for a year. If, if we wanted that, we'd really prefer to have if them. We want that. But I think this summer we'll be telling, like we're going to be doing more selling this summer and we're going to try some longer passages and we'll see how it goes. And Yeah, I think we're taking it step by step because we're also, we do have plans to go down to Mexico and we'd love to have him and I think we'll take him, but we also wonder how he'll do with the heat. So I think we're just going to try it out, see how it goes. And we do have a backup plan for Ben's parents if it doesn't. Yeah. doesn't work out but like i think ultimately we're hoping we can bring them to mexico so that when we eventually hopefully cross the ocean to the south pacific that will be the year we can say okay mom and dad please take them because there's no way he's going to cross the ocean with yeah, us he would hate so. that <laughs> yeah so yeah it's we love having them though like the stuff we've been doing so far in bc he just enriches the whole thing right like yeah. having we spend every day at anchor near some sort of beautiful coastline and usually have a bonfire, usually a beach to swim. And like, he just loves it. And it's fun to have him around. Yeah. He really looks like he enjoys it. Like I've seen, he swims around a lot and which is super nice to hear. Uh, we also have a dog who absolutely hates water. Uh, he <laughs> swam exactly once in his life by accident, but he's the same. He really wants to be with us. He's a great traveler. We've traveled across the country in a car twice with him so it's great doing road trips and we've gone to the states with him so i have high hopes <laughs> but yeah it does definitely affect our sailing plans so we would never go to the sail uh, to south pacific at all like mm -hmm. we'd try to get to europe as soon as possible just because right. he's very hairy dog so also not great for caribbean but uh it's great to hear that you have a plan and you have a sort of a plan b and it's it's totally doable to uh, live in a sailboat and sail with the dog just oh, with yeah. certain caveats like you can't go to exactly all the countries you know what I, you know what i really highly highly recommend though i can think of two things yeah i know what yeah like i for sure varnish your floors okay yeah two, <laughs> two really big important things varnish your floors like protect your floors we just totally ruined the teak floors inside our boat it's like the dog's toenails yeah. will rip up the floor of your boat and like ours ours were 30 years old and they're a little bit soft and they're beautiful when we bought the boat and within six months like they're so not even six months. Like I'm two. so discouraged by how they look now. And eventually, we ended up using schooner or something or other, like some yeah. sort of protectant, and it it's worked really well. And I wish we'd have just done that from we the should, beginning. Yeah. But yeah, we totally messed up our floors with the dog. And the other really important thing is having a walkthrough transom out of the cockpit. If you have a like a cockpit at the back of the boat, it makes getting the boat in and out of the dinghy or the dog in and out of the dinghy so much easier. Yeah. I used to have to, I had a Catalina 27 before with Bruce and I would have to like, I'd have to just like physically pick him up and lower him. He's like 80 or 90 pounds. And if I had to do that as often as we do now, the amount of sailing we do now, like daily, that yeah. would be so It's like annoying. three times. You, well, we take Bruce, we try to take him to shore three times a day, like once in the morning for a bathroom break, once yeah. before bed, and then a walk in the middle of the day. So if you have an 80 pound dog, anything over 40, you're doing that lifting him on and off the boat six yeah. times a day like you're you're gonna it's gonna hurt yeah walk through transom is really key i think to having a big dog on a boat <clears throat> yeah yeah for sure that would be a lot of lifting and i've actually seen some um dog backpacks which look oh, yeah. absolutely hilarious like yeah. they look cute <laughs> in a small dog but i was yeah. seeing photos with the golden retriever in them and i'm like okay that's cool that's <laughs> <gonna be hilarious. laughs> 
that'd be so fun. Well, speaking of going to Mexico and then heading further south to sort of uncharted waters and then doing bigger sales that you haven't done before, how are you preparing for all of this? I mean, your plan, if I'm correct, is to sail in BC for the summer season and then heading down south in the fall. So how are you preparing for this? Obviously, you're getting the boat ready, but you know, what else is there? Is there mental preparation or logistics or, or whatever else? Yeah, there's... Panicking? There's... there's <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> I think we panicked last night officially. We right have there. a couple panic uh, sessions for yeah, sure. Once in a while. <laughs> um, logistics, definitely getting the boat ready. We've put a lot of effort into the boat recently. Um, as you, you mentioned, we just hauled out last weekend and put a lot of time and money into the boat. But we're feeling good about the boat. But there's also um, the logistics of work. I think one of the things that Ben and I both have a tough time with is that because we are young, it's leaving our jobs at a time when we could be really building a nest egg. And we want to leave, but it's kind of how we're going to do it um, without having to sell everything so that there's a little bit of something to come back to if we were to come back. And that I think we change our minds on regularly. And I don't think we even have an answer yet. For yeah. It. Like we talk, it's the opportunity cost of like a lot of people that do this, they sell off everything and then they buy their boat uh, with cash in hand and then they have a, a kitty. And like, I've definitely thought about it and we could do that today and we could skip West coast, Vancouver Island and go straight to Mexico right now. Um, but I've like, I spent a lot of my twenties backpacking and also working really hard, but I kind of always got back from like long stints of traveling and being like, okay, I want to stop. I want there to be like money making money for me while I'm gone, like investments and stuff like that. Yeah. And so like we're in that place now, but I don't really just want to sell everything and give that up. Like I, it's sort of like, I want both, which is really <laughs> don't we maybe all. not how it works. I did commit to selling my house. We bought the boat and didn't, but maybe I should, but it's, it's sort of just like if we can have some rental income and even if that's not paying our way, as long as that mortgage is being paid off while we're gone, I'll be more at peace with yeah. sort of going off and having a big adventure and, you know, that allowing my, allowing our wealth to sort of build passively while we're away. That was really important to me to be like in a position where that was going to be happening. But we don't know if we'll get there. Like we're probably still going to sell. We have a couple of properties. We'll probably sell the house I was planning to sell when we bought the boat. Um, we'll probably eventually. follow through on what we said. <laughs> but to the other point there, we're actually, so the timeline isn't quite correct. We're going to, we're spending another year in BC. So we're going to sail from the East Coast of Vancouver Island up to Tofino on the West Coast. Well, we're going to go the South Way uh, fairly soon, in like a month. And then we're going to spend the whole summer where we are. We're in Tofino now. This is where we live and work. And so we'll be partly living on the boat, partly living in this place, uh, continuing to do our day jobs indefinitely or for the whole year and doing sort of like weekend adventures and then a couple of vacations. Um, and then we're going to winter on the boat. We're going to actually move onto the boat, rent this place out fully. And that's when we're sort of like full on live aboards until we're done the, the journey. And and then it's going to be the following summer. So summer 2022 is when we're going to sail down to Mexico. We bumped it but, back uh, almost a full year. Yeah. And I mean, like we need that time. We need to re-rig the boat. We need to do uh, quite a few projects. And we're going to do some of them here in Tofino. Um, over the summer and over the fall and winter. And then we got to go back to the East Coast of Vancouver Island where or Victoria maybe, where we can do some of the bigger projects like the re-rig and some mass work. Um, and then like like we would just leave for Mexico, let's say spring 2022, but then there's a hurricane season to consider. And so it's sort of like we can't really get into Mexico until 
late 2022 anyway. So that's sort of driving that. But we're not ready this fall. We won't be ready. We just have to, like if we could quit our jobs right now and focus on the boat and focus on the YouTube channel and only do that, we would be ready. Life would be but, so much like easier. I'm not ready to quit my job. I don't want to quit my job yet. Yeah. Um, I own my business. I can't just quit my job yet. It's not that simple it's for me. And um, yeah, so the timeline is Mexico 2022. So we got lots of time. It's a big change. Like it takes planning and also to make it sort of future proof so that it's not just like six months later, well, you're out of money and now now what? So exactly. I, I totally get it. Making those plans, having a little bit of a safety net, either financial or otherwise some sort of a home base um, and, and doing everything in your home country before you set off. It's, it's It makes total sense for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with that said, like I'm as long as the boat is safe, I don't need to have every single project done. Like I'm pretty happy to MacGyver stuff down in Mexico once we get there. And like, I don't, we don't need every comfort. If the yeah. if something's not working, like I'm not, as long as it's safe, I'm not going to be too upset. We spent the last two years without even having a depth sounder. <laughs> so like, <laughs> which is a pretty critical piece of equipment in most people's eyes, but we just finally installed fun. a transducer last week so that we can hook that up to our new chart plotter and have depth, which will be really, really nice. You know, as long as it's safe, like I said, as long as the boat is sound and the rigging is good, <laughs> um, we're going to go regardless of what else needs yeah. to be done. If you wait until your boat is ready, you'll you'll never leave the dock. Oh, yeah. Our project list is like <laughs> 700 items. So we're not going to get it all done. But I think the planning and the planning is financial planning, obviously boat planning and mental planning. And yeah, I feel like I'm ignoring the mental part of it. It's just we'll be ready when the time comes. <laughs> like I'm pretty much ready now. Yeah. <laughs> like are we skilled are we skilled enough to do the sail down? I don't know. Probably, Probably not, not, but, but <laughs> we're gonna do it anyway. But the fastest so. way to learn is by trial yeah. and error. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, you mentioned uh, that you own your own business. And I know uh, from having followed your videos that you are sometimes sailing in BC in sort of search of Wi-Fi, trying to find a good spot where you can get some work done. So how's that been working? Uh, or and if you don't mind sharing, what what is it that you do for a living? And how's that been to do that from a boat, at least a part of the time? Yeah, so Ali was a flight attendant. And that sort of went by the wayside when COVID came around <laughs> this time last year. Which, I mean, I think a lot of people have these stories of COVID being, there's a lot of silver linings. And for sure, for us, oh, it, dude, mine was great. <laughs> it made it possible for us because I was now able to work remotely, which wasn't really a thing prior to COVID for me. Um, so all of a sudden, we owned and lived on this boat. Ali was laid off. And 
I can work from anywhere. So we were able to spend almost all of last summer, like cruising around and enjoying boat life. And it was like the first taste of like, oh my God, that's what it's like to be a digital nomad. This is what it's like to be like one of the big YouTube channels that just do this and work from their boat everywhere they go. And it was super liberating and, and pretty easy to do other than finding good cell coverage in BC is tough because of the mountains. They often, uh, it's, it's harder, I think, to find good cell coverage in BC than it would be in, let's say, Mexico or something like that. I think we picked, we, we sometimes picked anchorages that were a little weird and that um, not many people would normally go for, or we would pick like the entrance of an anchorage where it's like less protected from wind because it had more service. So we, we sometimes ended up where we wouldn't normally, but it, I don't know, it, it worked. Like it was, I would still do that and have some money that I could spend on the boat and, and spend on our adventures then go to the best anchorage in the back back corner and be be tight financially for yeah. all of our trips. I mean, like in an ideal world, we would have all the money we would ever need, win the lottery or whatever, and just cruise exactly how we felt like cruising every day. But it, it kind of adds like a bit of an adventure to the whole thing yeah. when you like when you have to be somewhere on Monday morning where there is cell coverage and like because then instead yeah. of like not sailing through the heavy weather, you're like, well, we have to. So yeah. you have more adventure because you push yourself a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. So uh, overall, like, yeah, I really liked, we got to experience living on a boat while working and really, really enjoyed the experience. We spent the winter living here on land with the boat at the dock, but I'm looking forward to getting back to continuing to work. I don't plan to leave my business. I've, I have two business partners and, and you asked what I do. So I, I develop clean energy projects uh, for first nations communities all throughout British Columbia. So just small scale, uh, Small scale run of river hydro, solar, uh, there's some ocean energy stuff we're doing, geothermal, pretty much anything non-carbon, um, usually on a quite a small scale in a remote community. And and that can be done mostly for me over the phone and over Zoom and over Skype and that kind of stuff. I do have project sites that I need to visit once in a while, and we're going to visit a bunch of them this summer. We're going to take the boat to one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bunch of my projects are so on the coast, the remote coastal communities. But yeah, I can keep doing that. And I've already agreed with my partners that I was going to take a year off. And now I'm actually wondering if I actually can just keep working during that during that sail down to Mexico, maybe South Pacific. And do I really need to take the year off or maybe just take six months of it off and check in once a week or something like that? Um, because, you know, as a business owner, I'm very invested in it. And it's going to be hard to like if I wasn't just to leave the company altogether and sell my stake in it, it would be kind of hard to just leave it and not know what's going on. And so I'm going to want to be in touch. I'm going to want to have input on things like big changes and decisions. So yeah, it's interesting how things have evolved, that things are being done remotely. Our company is mostly entirely remotely now, um, very flexible situation. And it would be interesting to see how it works for us as we head down south. Yeah, well, that was going to be one of my next questions, whether you're hoping to do that as you move south, because you're right, it, a lot has changed with COVID and not all for the worse. Also, it has shown basically the whole world that almost anything can be done remotely. So it's going to yeah. be hard to justify like, no, no, you have to be here at the office where I can see you working. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's really interesting. And I imagine, Ben, for you, owning your own business is definitely different than working for somebody else because you're not going to just be like, all right, sayonara, boss, I'm, I'm off yeah, now. Yeah, totally. If I, if I was an employee, the calendar would be marked and I'd be ready to sever ties so. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, no, I, I like what I do. I like my business and my partners and um, I don't want to have to like burn that bridge. And so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. If, if things went really, really well for us with, with the YouTube channel and if we were, if it became so lucrative, that would be kind of like crazy not to 
leave that all behind, um, then obviously that would be a, a decision we would have to make. But until we're confronted with that type of decision, you know, I'm intending to to maintain my position in my company and keep working. And even if our we're sort of imagining a loop, like we're going to do Mexico, South Pacific, and back up to Canada, and if that happens over the course of longer than most people would take to do it so that I can continue to work, then um, that might be the path then we go so with. so be it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with slow travel, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Ali, is your focus now on the YouTube channel mostly, or are you working on some other stuff as well on the uh, while you're sort of getting ready to make the big change and, and move full-time on the boat? Um, yeah, I, I am back at work. I, um, I go crazy if I'm not doing something. So I got a job here in Tofino at a hotel. Um, interesting enough, it's actually owned by First Nations that Ben also works with. So <laughs> I work there right now, but I'm also, I work four days, four 10-hour days. And then on my Fridays, I spend my whole Friday um, nine to five working on breaking waves and on the YouTube channel and building it and the Instagram and the Patreon aspect. It's There is a lot of work there. So I feel like the bigger we get, the more that could be a full-time job. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're only doing two videos a month right now. If we were to go to a video every week, which is, it's kind of necessary, I think, in YouTube world to eventually get to a weekly video yeah. to to really grow. And you just wouldn't be able to work. Like you'd have to yeah. only do breaking waves. It's so much work to produce one video that it's basically a three to four day a week job. Yeah, I've gotten the fastest. I'm the fastest at editing that I've been. And it still takes me two like full eight to 10 hour days to put a video together. And then after that, there's the promoting and the social media marketing and the digital media marketing that also takes about another day, day and a half or yeah, even more. It's just constant. Work, so sure. it is a lot of work. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, have many... I'd say career goals <laughs> that I'm gunning for that I can't leave. Like Ben obviously loves his career and his position. And I'm a, I feel a little bit more free from that world. <laughs> I'm fine <laughs> to work on YouTube and, and do that. So one of my favorite qualities in Ali when I met her is that she's not a careerist. Lifeist. I, I feel like too, a... <laughs> I feel like I feel like a relationship where both people are really focused on their careers is going to result in a, a rat racy life. You know? Yeah. Like you need to have the flexibility and not that I want you to work and I want you to like be happy with what you're working on and all that kind of stuff. But I just think if your career was as taxing on you as mine is on me, we would probably not get along very well. Yeah. Well, I never <laughs> would have moved to Vancouver Island if, yeah, I don't even know if we'd be together if my career took priority. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a, it makes a difference for sure on, on what kind of personalities and what sort of, goals people have individually as well to make them work together as a couple especially when you're planning to do something yeah. adventurous and, and oh I was gonna say about the YouTube that there's definitely a lot of examples out there that it is possible to make a living at least enough to support the sailing lifestyle but yeah it absolutely takes a huge amount of work um, on editing and not just editing but even the filming like you must be very time consuming to do that and think about that and plan all that and then push it out later on. So I can imagine that it absolutely keeps you guys busy, but uh, yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's so fun that it, it doesn't feel as much like work, like the rest of my work does. Like it's, it's a different, it's, kind. A, passion it's a different kind and, of work. I think. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's paying the bills or not, like it's still fun to do. And it does open up interesting opportunities and interesting connections like this, for example. Yeah. Um, all sorts of friends. I think all the friends we've made in the past year have all been other sailing couples. Like it's, it's neat what it, the kind of things that it opens up. And so it's not just about the money. It's 
There's a lot more to it than that for sure. And the community and the support that we're finding that we get from YouTube, like even we were in on the hard the other day and we were posting. So um, obviously our location was known and we had like viewers stop by to bring us coffees and, and just chat with us. And it was so cool. And then whenever we have problems, like we can always kind of message our Patreon group and there is such a wealth of knowledge in that Patreon group. Mm. People have been sailing for years. And so the connections we've made because like solely because we're on YouTube has been uh, like in incredible and yeah. invaluable. I'm, also, I'm not afraid to admit it either. We both love being recognized. <laughs> like yeah. We don't have a very big channel we're comparative to some of the big ones. We're tiny, but we do have enough of a following that it's probably happened like 10 or 12 times. Like, been like Hey, breaking waves or whatever yeah. right and like it's like it feels so cool to be recognized it <laughs> like, always freaks me yeah. out at first and, uh, i'm like why are they staring at, at me <laughs> but yeah no i'm not i'm not at all ashamed to admit that i love it <laughs> like, it just pumps up my ego so much <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a good quality for if we want to be on youtube yeah, so yeah, totally. that's perfect i'm actually such a private person normally but for some reason ben is such an YouTube, introvert i like don't mind <laughs> I think partly because it's delayed. Like when we're putting out an episode, it's usually a few weeks to a few months away from real time. And so it doesn't feel like I'm, if I had to live live that openly, I would hate it, but it's always lagged, right? Yeah. All right. So no live stream 24 seven. <laughs> Maybe not, not 24 seven <laughs> anyway. Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think you guys are doing really good job with the videos. I followed you since the beginning or not oh, cool. timeline since the beginning, but I've seen all of your videos. So I could definitely see the development. It's been huge. And uh, I mean, your channel is growing a lot. So yeah. congrats yeah, on that. Good. Obviously, yeah. it's, it's showing that you're doing a good job. So I Thank look you. forward to seeing you grow it even more and hopefully making that at least a part of your income. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you've now been uh, boat owners for uh, a year and a half or so with the, the current boat, both of you. So is there something that's um, surprised you about the either being a boat owner or the sort of sailing liveaboard-ish lifestyle in, in general? Surprise! I feel like um, because I had nothing, like no kind of information to start with, I don't know if I would say and I was surprised by anything because I really had no expectations. <laughs> so uh, for me to be surprised would be for me to think that it was different than what I was expecting. But I have learned so much so fast and i think what i wasn't prepared for when i when we bought the boat was the commitment i think that living on a boat takes uh especially when you are working while living on a boat um it's one thing to just walk around barefoot on your boat and like live on a boat every day and that's fine but when you have to have like when you're having to work while living on a boat is it really does take commitment and um commitment to finding solutions like i I worked in an industry where I had three suitcases, 17 uniforms and four pairs of shoes. And it's like, where are you going to put that when you're on a boat? Space was definitely an issue. Winter on a boat with mold and like navigating that, I think it took, it took commitment because you, you had to want it. You had yeah. to. Winter on a boat in BC is hard. Like it, I find winter hard enough as it is just because it rains all the time and it's dark. It's dark. And gray, even living in a house, it's hard, but it definitely amplifies it. You lose half your living space. Like you can't, you yeah. don't go outside. So you just stay inside and your inside is two rooms. Like one. And it's also very romantic. Like it's like you turn on your little gas stove and you know, like it's a little fort and you're protected. It's totally warm and cozy yeah. and it's cool. But it's, I think it just, whether or not you're going to work as a sailing couple and as a liveaboard team 
I think if you live through the winter on a boat, you're going to find out pretty fast. Yeah. If you can make it through winter you on a boat in BC, you can make it through anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I I think I was mostly surprised by, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I was a little bit naive. Like my previous two boats, I, I don't come from a lot of sailing experience for sure. I just kind of like owned a couple small boats, taught myself how to sail, screwed around on them and had some fun. I didn't really have a good eye for like what a boat that's in really good shape looks like. And I knew Kiana, I knew Scepters were well-built, blue water, reputable boats. So I knew that much, but my, and I had a really well done survey done too, but I just, I think I went into buying Kiana with like a little bit of wool over my eyes and kind of believed that all she really needed was to be re-rigged and that otherwise all the systems worked and it's, you know, had to maintain them, upgrade them a little bit over time, but you know, a year and a half in, I think we're realizing that it's a bit more of a refit, like pretty much every system. If it hasn't already broke because it's so old, it's probably just about to. And or so, you have a girlfriend who's going to break it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're working through basically. I don't think there's a single system that we're not going to end up replacing at some point on this boat within the next year or two. We've already done a lot of it, but we have a lot more to go. And so that was a surprise to me that I just, I think I, I bought a boat that I thought was in a little bit better shape than it actually was. And it was really no one's fault other than my own. Like I just, I just wanted it to be my dream boat and I, and it is, but it, it just, is. It's, oh. it just needs quite a bit more work and, you know, time and money. And yeah, I don't think I realized what commitment I was making at the time financially yeah. to the boat. Okay, Ali, I'm hanging on to your comment. What have you broken on the boat? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What hasn't she broken? <laughs> I think the first, okay, this is a ridiculous story, but I think the first thing I ever broke on the boat was the inverter charger that oh, we yeah. had. That was like day one. It was like, <laughs> Ben was so mad. It was like two days on our brand new boat. And I, I oh, almost, drink drip coffee. You just got to have an Americano. It's a little bit embarrassing, <laughs> but I had an espresso maker and I was like, this works really well on a boat. We can just plug it in. Ben, watch, I'll make us an Americano. And it smelled like burnt toast. And there was like a click, 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 click. Yeah. And I'm like, um, that doesn't It didn't actually, good. it didn't screw the inverter. I think it hurt our batteries. It was an old school inverter. Eventually the inverter died. Oh, but yeah. fried it. We knew so little about the electrical system on the boat at that time that we thought we might have. And I didn't know what I didn't know. So (laughs) I had no way to know that that wouldn't be okay. So there was that. And then I, and then (laughs) this isn't an episode too, but then I put a heater there's mold in my clothes and I was having to go to work and there was mold growing on my clothes and they were damp. So I was like, Oh, I'll just put a heater in my closet and take Bruce for a half an hour walk and come back. Um, But what I didn't know was the septic tank was in beside my closet. So Oh yeah, the holding tank for our toilet. So I heated it up with the heater and it expanded. (laughs) We come back and we're like, oh my God, what is that smell? This boat is rancid. It literally smelled like shit. (laughs) Sorry for my language, but it was like, it was about to explode and it was leaking. It was really gross. It was a, it's a rectangular holding tank made out of plastic that looked like a football. It was was so rounded out. (laughs) And I don't understand how it didn't just like, totally explode all that happened is the port on the top um there was a bit of crap like seeping it was like, it was like from that but the we're lucky if it had gotten a little bit hotter i feel like the whole thing would have just blown up yeah i think like like 20 more minutes 15 more minutes <laughs> yeah. of us walking bruce and it they probably would have blown up and there would have been a yeah explosion. but we just took the heat off and it slowly you know went back to its normal shape and then sort of we've sort of dealt with sealing off that port i wrapped it in tuck tape <laughs> yeah. 
that's probably one of the projects that we need to address. I was like, Don't worry, we'll fix it. Yeah, that's still the status of the holding tank. So. Oh my gosh. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that either. And I'm, I'm so sad about the coffee because we're seriously, we're serious coffee drinkers. We have an espresso machine at home and we're already talking about like, we can't have this on the boat. <laughs> when do we start? <laughs> yeah, you get AeroPress though. You can still make espresso on a boat. It just, it has or, to be different. You can also just like, if you, nowadays the inverters are capable of running espresso machines. Probably. If you get a big enough inverter, it's not an issue. But that is a good tip though. If you're thinking about moving onto a boat with a, with a partner, I think like if you're like me and you've got a little bit more experience with the boat than your partner does, you need to remember that like everything about moving onto this boat is going to be foreign and new. And like we had to have a few pep talks. Like it was, there were some tears in the early days just because like simple things like that, like the holding tank that, you know, it wasn't unreasonable to want to dry out your closet with a little passive heater that we yeah. had on board. And of course, Ellie would have no idea that that's where the, the holding tank is. And I think as a couple moving onto a small space like this, where everything is new, you need to be ready for like some challenging, yeah. I'd say in the first three or four months, there's going to be some challenges just adjusting to that. Your and, learning curves are going to look yeah. different. And I think if you're the one that has more of the experience, you need to like try to remember what it was like to not know how anything works on a boat and how foreign that can all be. So yeah, there was some, there was some tough, none of that really ended up on YouTube, I don't think, but uh, there was a few blowouts <laughs> well that was gonna be my next question in general like is there something you wish you had known but it certainly sounds like yeah there are some things that you wish you had known before <laughs> you got started with with this whole sailing lifestyle but i guess it is hard to know what to expect when you just don't really know what it might be so yeah you don't know what you don't know yeah <laughs> yeah you just gotta go easy on yourself right like there's gonna be a million challenges along the way so Take them all in stride. Try not to get too upset when everything breaks because they will. everything will break <laughs> if you're going to buy an older boat. Just get ready for that. And also, <laughs> take it as an opportunity. Like every time something breaks, it's sort of just, I find anyway, it's hard to get focused on learning how, you have to acquire a lot of skills, right, to upgrade your boat. And the only time I actually acquire those skills is when I'm forced to fix something because yeah. it's like broken and we need it to work. And then I'm like, I've researched the crap out of it. I'll figure out what to do. I'll just jump into it and start fixing the problem and otherwise i'm just slow to actually like take on new challenges on the boat but you know every time something breaks for us anyway or goes wrong you can look at it we could look at it in two ways one it's it could make good content for the youtube channel so that could be exciting yeah the <laughs> and, YouTube channel really helps. <laughs> and secondly for me it's kind of like well now at least i'm going to fix this that i like the thing that i kind of knew i wanted to upgrade anyway it's like well i got no choice so some, you just got to learn how to look at things a little bit differently, I think, if you're going to make it as a liveaboard. Yeah, you've already given me so many good tips and tidbits of advice. But since you are a couple of steps ahead of us, I'm wondering whether you have any sort of words of wisdom, final advice or warnings or, or whatever you want to part with. Um, my head is just in the uh, sort of in the techie space right now, like about fixing your boat and all that. I do think advice would be, always try to attempt as much of the work, like you're gonna have to do a bunch of boat work, you're gonna have to do a bunch of projects and always try to at least attempt it yourself um, until you don't know what you're doing and then bring in the help. I think that's important because even if you attempt it and you fail, you probably still pick something up and you probably learn something um, and you might have picked up a tool that you wouldn't otherwise have on the boat and then someday in a couple of years in the Caribbean or wherever, you're gonna need that tool and you're gonna be glad you have it. So. Yeah, I think trying to be as self-sufficient as possible. And I'm still working on that. Like I, I do pay for help. Um, we're about to pay for help from an electrician. Elect electrical is really where I'm not confident. 
And I'm like one project at a time, right? An example was our shore power cord recently almost burned down this boat too. Yeah, we had to replace it. We're we're yeah. a little bit nervous with electrical. Yeah, I, I don't have a good electri- electrical foundation, but the stakes are so high if you're if you're wrong. Like Ben's yeah. previous boat and our electrical cord this time around, like that's really not something you want to get wrong. But I did. I fixed that, and I felt accomplished because I actually did an electrical project on my boat, and I think. The advice is try to do as much of it as you can. Bring in the pros when you feel really not confident. And then over time, your skills will start. Like I feel more confident on the engine now. I'm taking baby steps with electrical. And just everything is like that on the boat. If you just try to slowly accumulate these skills, then eventually you'll have a lot of them. And you'll be glad you did, I think. Don't try to do it all at once because it's kind of overwhelming. Well, as stressful and, and overwhelming as that might sound, it must be a nice sort of sense of achievement at the end of it when you actually manage to fix something yourself and you learned something new and learned how to do it. Totally, yeah. yeah. And you're like, whoa. I'll, I'll be the most excited when we upgrade something by choice rather than fix something that broke. I can't imagine. <laughs> Whenever that happens, <laughs> that means we'll be ahead of things a little bit. That's way We, we could be there. We're doing the chart plotter. This is like the first upgrade, although arguably it's fixing the, the instruments that are broken. But yeah. <laughs> Well, you are getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bit by bit. <laughs> well, just to wrap this up, uh, do you tell everybody where we can follow your adventure uh, as you go along in BC and, and further afield? You can check us out on YouTube <laughs> as Breaking Waves Sailing. Uh, we're also on Instagram as breakingwaves.sailing. So and you can check Facebook, us out there. Facebook, Patreon as well. We're- yeah. We're probably, other than YouTube, we're the most active, I would say, on Instagram. But uh, yeah, any of the main social medias, Breaking Wave Sailing. A massive thank you to Ali and Ben for sharing their experience. And of course, thank you for listening. New episodes of the Liverboard Sailing Podcast come out every Wednesday. And I'd love it if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Tune in next Wednesday for yet another inspirational and educational episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.